You know that thing where people smash a bottle of sparkling wine against a boat? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that, no. Wait, is, wait, is this going nowhere? <laughs> is, is it, uh, to, my, to my knowledge, I'm, uh, again, you, you... I feel like you associate with more people that would know what this... Uh, the thing, it's called christening a boat. And what, what makes you think I would know that? I feel do you, like do you, you associate me with boats? I feel like you're much more of a... Like, you know that song, I'm on a boat? I feel like you are probably I do like on, that song. I hate that song. That I feel like you great. are much more likely to be on a boat at any given time than me. It's probably it's still very low, but you seem more boat adjacent than I am. I'm trying, like, to, I'm trying to think of like the last time I've been on a boat, like outside of the ferry. The ferry, yeah. The, <laughs> I go on the ferry once every year and a half, and that's the closest I ever get to a boat. Cause, because, I, I feel like if I smashed a bottle of champagne on the ferry, that I'd, I'd probably get in trouble. All right, so if you go to salemagazine.com, <laughs> this is not why, go, why do these go, why do these never go the way I plan? Sa- so you say salemagazine.com? I'll, I'll send you a link. I'm 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 tired. Um so it, it's called christening a boat. And uh, apparently uh sailors are a superstitious lot, but you don't have to sacrifice an ox. You can christen a boat by yeah, the rich yeah. people will slam a bottle of sparkling wine um against a boat for some reason. You ever you ever do the thing where you look at a date on an article or something and you go like Oh, oh God. Yeah, that was like right that was like right oh, before God. things got real bad. Yeah, March fifth, twenty twenty. Yeah. Anytime I think about early March, it, 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 this is this is not going the way I planned at all. Um in terms of the start of the pandemic, the one mental image I always think about, do you remember there was that thing where uh, it's a video is like on ESPN and Mark Cuban is looking at his phone and he gets like the news that the season's been canceled and I, he has I a very exaggerated that. reaction. Yep. I feel like in my head, I feel like that's the like unofficial like mental image of the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sparkling wine and boats. So I was going to ask, is there the opposite of that? So... This is the final episode. This is the final night, or actually, probably tomorrow, uh, that I'm ever going to use an iMac. Mm. I'm 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 boxing this thing up and sending it to Florida because that's where all iMacs go to die. <laughs> um, what what are what are you actually doing with it? I'm boxing it up and sending it to Florida. <laughs> that's not a that's not a euphemism like 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 a dog's uh, going to a farm upstate. Um. Yeah, no, uh, my Mac Studio, was it, yeah, that's what it's called, uh, that arrived last Thursday, Friday, maybe, um, still don't have a monitor for it, uh, we might get to that, but um, yeah, this, uh, my uh, trade-in estimate with that company that I always use, Mac of all trades, um, is expiring, so I, so I have to mail back this computer. Yeah, so it's been, and- it's been a it's been a good run. How do you, how do you, well, so I guess, first of all, so they're, they're based in Florida. Yeah. So you have to ship it to Florida. That's, that's the deal. Okay. Well, that's the nice and, thing about this one is that they, they, they did provide you a prepaid shipping label. So I, I am not stomaching the cost or it's, it's built into whatever the trading value is, but I'm not stomaching the cost of shipping a 60 pound computer across the country. So did, did they provide you a no. box? As, no. So, so what, I, what I happens went, if you do? So I, I remember. I, I actually remember now. You you went and like got a box, right? Craigslist, yeah. Because I so keep, what what if, what if you didn't do that? What would you, you have, have to go to buy do? one? 
Hmm. So they, they say you either need the original box or, you know that company OWC? Like they're kind mm-hmm. of a specialty Mac retail. They make their own like custom, they're not custom, but like just like a replacement, just brown box that has the appropriate like uh, styrofoamy inserts. God, what is the what does that cost? You have it's to like seventy dollars. The box that, is seventy dollars, and you have to pay for shipping for it to be sent to you. Oh, let's see. OWC iMac box. It is seventy dollars. Oh, man, with Oof. uh, I can't. I don't. I don't feel like putting my address here, but but I assume the shipping's like fifty dollars. But oh, no, I went on man. I went on Craigslist and actually the, uh, what the guy had was the OWC box and it turned out he didn't need to ship it. So I got it for $25 from some dude in San Anselmo. So thank you, sir. Because um, I keep, do you keep all the boxes for your small electronics? Uh, I, I used to and I've like kind of mostly transitioned away from that, but still, still have a, a handful and one of the sheds yeah like i mean i i do just because it, it's it's easier like it's a nice value add for selling something when you, like you don't need it on ebay and it's also you just like you have something that's gonna it's gonna securely ship in so like i, mean, I have like a, a home depot medium size moving box which like i mean it's it's not big and it fits in a closet and it has it holds every lens box and like every, every small electronic thing i own like it, it all fits in there so it's, it's not that much of a hassle but like i i do not have the square footage to like i'm not like john syracuse where he's literally the entire attic of his house is just old apple crap <laughs> so i i do not have that luxury well and the, and the thing that's changed with me is like with old like iphones and ipads and watches and stuff like i you know i used to go through the whole process of of eBaying them. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to have the original packaging to include with the listing, but you know, I mean, th- there's the iPhone upgrade program now, so that takes care of the iPhone. And then like with everything else, I, well, I'm usually lazy and just do the trade in thing now well, and, and, you, and don't you, bother with eBay. And you're gonna have to do that with your, with your shitbox iPad. That's dead to the world now. We'll get there. We'll get there. Ah, uh, it's, I, it's I actually, so I, funny. I, I, I actually, I actually really don't care. But you you we'll, seem we'll, in shape about it for a little uh, bit. I mean, but then you then you saw how bad it is. Well, anyway, we'll we'll get there. We'll, yeah, how we'll bad it there. is slash how little I use my iPad. But oh, yeah, we'll, also we'll, so, potato potato tomato. Yeah. Um. Oh, but like the reason I keep like so I agree about the phone trade in thing, but um, for camera stuff, mm-hmm. having like the original box and like carrying case and lens hood like i'm 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 i, I don't I, I, ever I'm use with, lens hoods but i mean i, I yeah so I, I'm, I'm with you there I, I have the box to my fancy camera and then like all my lenses and stuff i I, I have kept that yeah because like eventually when you upgrade to the a7 5 or in, in like 2026 or something what, whatever is out there in a while because like you'll you'll eventually upgrade um true it's just nice to not have to ship that in like a bunch of packing peanuts and just hope that it gets there so anyway i will probably not smash I'll, I'll, i don't know I'll, I'll maybe pour some golden state cider on the imac as a good i don't know but yeah i don't know what to do with the with the mac studio i'm i meant actually briefly can you advise am i supposed to should i just buy a shitty dell monitor and then just eat the yes 200? but i don't wanna that, i wanna i mean I, yeah i i you know <sighs> I, i've like, said this like 18 <sighs> times on the show like 
The, the Dell monitor I'm looking at now, some 4K USB-C U2715, no. blah, blah, blah. Like, it's it's a great screen. Oh, it's not. How's the color accuracy? Do you ever, like, do you, do, you don't do photo prints, do you? No. I, I It's just the the colors. Eh, we'll, we'll see. Because right now, my setup, and I, I'll send you a picture of this eventually. Um, yeah, using my LG OLED as a monitor for my Mac Studio is not a great solution right now. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not ergonomic as as um, uh, people would say. Anyway, iMac dead to me. All right, let's blow through some follow up, and then we'll get. Uh, yeah, the Monday was WWDC, so we have quite a bit to talk about there. But that actually probably usually goes quicker than we think. Um, you've got a few things. You had mentioned that there's more to your recent experiences with Comcast. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking the other day that I never got any sort of like notice for a final bill or anything. And I that particularly stood out to me because I technically broke my one year contract. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I sh- certainly thought I was going to get some kind of bill for, you know, whatever early termination fee um, I incurred. So I logged into my Xfinity account. And I saw that I owed like $174. And I thought like, well, no, I did the math on the early termination fee and it wasn't anywhere nearly that high. And so I like, you know, dug, dug into the details of it. And I'm like, I was also thinking like, God, that's awful, like similar to the monthly amount I was paying before. So when I pulled up the bill, sure enough, I had gotten a bill like five or six days after I called to cancel. And it was for service for like the next service period, like the service period after I had canceled. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I first noticed this a little while ago and I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe it'll kind of just like resolve itself or something because they did say like it could take a couple of weeks to process the cancellation or whatever Mm -hmm. so i went to check it again today because the other thing i had noticed when i looked at it before was that the bill was due like june 9th which is which is tomorrow as we're recording so i checked it again today and it, it was still there and so i called them and was like, you know, hey, I, I canceled my service and I got this bill after the fact. Um, like, what do I do? <laughs> and the guy on the phone was just basically like, oh, yeah, no, on, on my end, I see you actually have like a $50 credit on your account. Mm-hmm. Like, in other words, like they owe me $50. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's like, so you can just ignore the bill that you see online, you know, the, this, the, the cancellations take a little while to, to process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just kind of was like, Oh, all right. And then he said something about know, like June 14th was some like magical date where some system was going to refresh or something. Or, it's just that, I mean, with it, your invoice, your, you have a bill cycle date and your invoice only comes out once every 30 days. So if you cancel your, your billed for service, that's for future periods. So therefore, yeah, the, your bill cycle will probably, then reflect that credit it just i I don't know it just seems seems weird to me that a (laughs) you know multi-billion dollar company has such kind of flimsy slow systems 
Eh, well, math is hard. And also, they've shifted most of the resources towards Peacock. So, I mean. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, that does check out. Um, it is weird, though. I mean, because actually, <laughs> I, had, like, I had that similar, similar complaint where it actually shouldn't take that long because even though I cancel TV on mine... And the bill cycle dates, like, because I'm, because I'm like well aware of that, like, it should have matched up. Yet my bill was exactly the same as what it is, which was too much, and that was for a, a billing period that, the, like, yeah, the dates didn't line up with the cancellation. So that actually is kind of weird. But yeah, I mean, well, it, I mean, keep, it, keep it, it is kind of like collections or something. Well, that that's the it, bingo. Like, but, that's but it takes, but it like, takes like three months for that to be an issue. So it did. I, yeah. I I know, but you know, I, I'm, I'm you're, you're bill- like I you know. Yeah. Well, and also you're you're an excessively responsible person. I I I get that where you you don't like ambiguity, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and you also don't like having excess items on OmniFocus to deal with somebody else's thing. God, I did have to have a stupid OmniFocus task for June 14th to check it again. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> Love that project of just like random crap that you got to deal with and canceling. Yeah, yeah. Mi- miscellaneous personal actions, I think, is or uh, items I- or whatever. I mean, that's nested under financial to-dos, and it has the money with the flying wings emoji. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then there's open items with a shruggy emoji. All right. <laughs> um, all right. And then actually, since since uh, you're uh, already uh, going off, as the kids say, what's up with mm. your Apple Watch? <sighs> all right. So <laughs> with my Apple Watch Series 7, I've had an issue basically from day one since i got it last november um where and i i know this sounds like a weird issue but like i promise it happens and if you search on reddit or do google searches like there are there are dozens of us who have this same problem um where my haptic engine so like the the vibration on the apple watch just periodically stops working like it'll go anywhere from a couple of days to like maybe a couple of weeks where it's fine and then it stops working like for everything alarms notifications even like um you know how you get that kind of um mild feedback when you spin the digital crown like all of that is just gone and a, a simple reboot of the watch fixes it and then the cycle repeats itself. Um, and the, the, the most annoying thing is I use my Apple Watch for alarms. And so I've had it happen where like the haptic engines died overnight. And then, you know, my alarm goes off, but my watch doesn't vibrate. <laughs> um, and, you know, this, 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 like I said, this has been happening since I first got the watch in November I was like kind of just hoping that a, you know, watch OS eight update was going to fix it at some point, but we're on what now? Like watch OS like 8.6 and it was still happening. And so I thought, "Eh, I I really do want to figure this out. And so I, you know, finally got around to sort of looking into kind of how the Apple care on my Apple watch works, because this is the first Apple watch I've had Apple care on. And what I was pleasantly surprised to find is that I could handle like everything just like over the phone and I didn't even have to go into an Apple store, which is kind of like one of the things I didn't really want to have to do. Um, and not only that, but with Apple Care for the watch, and I think the phone might be the same way now too, they have this 
express replacement program where you actually don't even have to wait for your particular device to get fixed. You can just send Apple. Well, actually, first, they, they send you a replacement device with prepaid shipping to just send your device in. So you basically just do a swap instead of waiting for your particular device to get fixed. So, you know, once I kind of realized that was an option, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just call and, and do the swap and, um, you know, go that way. So I did that this week. And that, yeah, that was a very pleasant experience. It actually included Apple doing a remote diagnostic on my watch, which I thought was pretty neat, um, which I sent you a couple screenshots of. Um, and then the the replacement process, like, couldn't have been easier or quicker. I think I called them on a Wednesday and I got the replacement watch on a Friday. So that all of that was great. Um, the only weird thing about it was that they made me do the thing that they make you do in the store is before they do any sort of work on your device, they make you turn off Find My. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only way to do that on the watch is to do a, like a factory restore, <laughs> Seriously? which is kind of an, yeah. So, which mm -hmm. I had to do even though I was just sitting in my house, but anyway, it, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to do on the Apple watch. It just takes a little bit of time to, you know, come back on. Um, but anyway, went through that process and, um, like I said, everything else about this express replacement process was great, easy, fast. Went through all that, you know, set up, set up the new watch. Same issue happened like the second day <laughs> I had the new watch. So it evidently is not a hardware problem. Like I, I was almost positive that it was given that, like I said, if you, if you search around on the internet, like you can find other people who have had this issue, but it's doesn't seem like it's that common, which usually means like a hardware issue like software bugs usually you find like a larger number of people who have the same problem um so yeah i i don't i don't know what the deal is but it's um it's annoying hmm. so a few things wouldn't you if you notice this within the first two weeks and no, not to not to victim blame or anything, but like if if you notice it within the first two weeks, like why would you have not just swapped it during like the return period? If oh, you felt I, that there was I, a sizable totally... possibility that it could be just like faulty hardware, and you would not, because when you do that express replacement, no, I mean because the new one that you got is defective, so not a big deal. But you're getting a refurbished unit, not a brand new one. So, um, I don't know. I, I guess I I kind of in the like when it first started happening, I figured it was just some weird software bug that would get fixed. Mm -hmm. And it was ha it it happens infrequently enough where it's you know it's not like I a guess huge when you restart deal. it how many days when you restart it how many days worth of uh, non buggy taptic engine use do you get? That was a long call it anywhere long from like to yeah like two to fourteen days hmm. ish yeah got it yeah so it's not not great and um, then. Yeah, I mean the the express. I mean, yeah, that all sounds fine. I mean, that's that's cool. So you you call? Did you just call like one eight hundred My Apple or like how do you how do you get support or did you use that little Apple support app thing? Uh, so I I tried to be all techy and use the Apple support mm -hmm. app, um, which which is pretty slick. And it, it, I got to the point where it said, you know, okay, we're opening a ticket for you. 
an Apple support rep will call you like in the next couple of minutes. So like, oh, great. And Apple's, you know, Apple calls like a couple of minutes later. And there's just like <laughs> nobody on the phone. Um, So I, I hung up and then, yeah, just called whatever the general Apple support line is. <laughs> okay. Did you get to choose the genre of music you listen to while you're on hold? I don't recall that being an option. Oh, okay. So wait, so, oh, so you've done your replacement and you have it and it still has the problem. Was that the, yes, moral it, ex <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's um, stinks. And, um, not only does it have that problem, but then, um, restoring watch OS created a new problem where, <laughs> um, I have a, um, a text thread, like a group text thread with, with the family. Um, there's, there's like five of us in the thread and I had this bizarre issue where I would get notifications for every message sent to the group thread on my watch. But when you actually went into the messages app on the watch, like only some of the messages would be there. Like the, they, the the group thread was perfectly synced across all of my other Apple devices, but on the watch, it was just missing messages in in the thread, like even ones I had gotten notifications for on the watch. So like if I clicked the notification to go into the messages app, like the messages wouldn't be there. <laughs> and it was only on this one group group thread. And these are messages that happened after the restore, not like scrolling Correct. back. Correct. Huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, you know, I, I tried a handful of different, like, and, and it, like it, it was one text thread, but it's annoying because it's like one of my most commonly used threads. Um, and and I, you know, I, I actually do, you know, respond from my Apple watch, like not that infrequently. Hmm. Okay. That's going to be my question. Weird. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried a couple different things like turning off iMessage on my phone, turning it back on turning off iMessage in the cloud, turning that back on. Nothing worked. Um, but then I, I kind of did some more digging into how messages works on the watch. And it, it, it basically, it, it doesn't, even if you have like iMessage in the cloud turned on on your phone, like your, your watch doesn't have a like complete replica of all your messages. Like specifically, it just stores the last 30 days of your messages and keeps those in sync with your phone. So something that I found out through looking into that is if you, if you delete a thread on your watch, it does not, even if you have iMessage in the cloud turned on, it doesn't delete the thread from like your phone and your other devices, which, which is what happens if you have iMessage in the cloud turned on and you delete a thread from like your phone, let's say, if you do that, then the thread is removed from all of your other devices. Hmm. So I thought, yeah. well, I'll just give that a try. Then I'll just delete the thread from my watch and see what happens. And that fixed it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, that, that's, that's resolved now, but my original problem remains. Got it. Well, that's, that's a bummer, but that's eh, what it is. And you got to, you got to get some fun hands-on experience with stuff oh yeah you love love dealing with uh technical support mm -hmm. um 
All right, so I've got a couple of things. So send you a picture. So this uh, is vaguely follow-up or more uh, like a, a peer review of uh, something that you discussed last week. So upon your rec- recommendation, gave Acre Pizza a redo. Mm. Um, still not amazing? I don't know. It's fine. It, it was better than their Detroit pizza. It was fine. Like the volcano bread, whatever that is, uh, was better than the pizza itself. The pizza benefited a lot from being kind of retoasted in the in the Breville. Um, but it, it it it's fine. It was it's it was not life changing pizza. I think uh, I think your um, positive experience might have been more environmental than anything else. Is that maybe fair? Uh, you just mean because it it was the right place, right time kind of thing. Well, just like in the, the Barlow and that whole area, like out outdoors, like that's just a very nice area. But in terms of there, there also could have just been a, a very mediocre pizza place there, and it might have also I don't I I don't know. But it's just, it was very meh. Well, we we didn't we didn't eat it there to be. Oh, you, you took it with you? Yeah. But did you reheat it when you got home? No. Huh. I'm very um, I'm very. Huh. Not particular when it comes to food temperature. What about what about not food sogginess? Like it, it just like because I got it uh, like as it was coming out of the oven, and just uh, to give it its best possible take, I ate a slice <laughs> three minutes later in the car, and mm-hmm. uh, hush, hush. Hey, no, I, I'm, I, I appreciate, I appreciate well, I didn't the dedication. Want... I didn't show. want the bad review, or I didn't want a bad review to be like, well, of course you ate it two hours you, later or something. Like, uh, sorry, to, to wait, how, sorry, I'm how giving you dare, the Nate Silver you? voice. Is that, is that, oh, what? I thought you were doing an impression of me. So, no, I was, so. I was, and I was, I don't know why I was doing it in the, in the sound that Galen uses to make fun of Nate Silver. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of, I, like, I didn't want to, for, to be, to be, um, for the comeback to be, oh, well, yeah, you took too long to eat it. No, I, I gave it all a try, and, like, it was better when I got home and heated it up. Like, it only took 30 minutes to get home, but, like, to reheat it and recrisp it a little bit. But it's it's fine. It wasn't... Eh, it, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll not be going back. It's fine. Hmm. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Oh, well. Again, this may, this may be the, Be- it's the Beats Pro pizza. Or, sorry, Beats Fit <laughs> pizza. Beats Fit Pro. Ooh, okay, so, so, so I'm half right both times. Um, all right, a couple other quick things. Uh, 1Password8 uh, installed that on the uh, Mac Studio as I was kind of setting that up and trying to get it like to be as close to my iMac as possible before I ship this guy off. Wait, wait how, did, how did you use it at all? Oh, I told you. Like I've, I've been using it very unergonomically, and I've attached my 55-inch LG OLED TV to... Uh, over hdmi hey, i'll send you a picture it's you, very I don't think bad you told me that no i t- I, t- I was talking about when i was when i was talking about the the sparkling wine against the boat again you were you were so flabbergasted by not knowing mm. yeah anyway I'll, I'll send you a picture it's a very very bad setup but um and i've mostly just been doing remote like screen share and remote desktop from my imac as i've been kind of configuring all my weirdo like ancient mac utilities and stuff on it but uh yeah one password eight it's fine you when when I'd asked you, you mentioned that it was mostly fine, but there are a couple of, of 
things I don't like, and I think you actually kind of sympathized or, or acknowledged that these were also slight pain points that you had too. One password eight seems to really like, do you use uh, separate vaults? Uh, not, not separate vaults. No. Oh, well then, Hmm. Cause I, cause but, I, I but I did, I did classify items. So like, for example, I had a, you know, section of like credit cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there well, doesn't really seem to be a way to organize items that way anymore. Oh, you can. Oh, so well, <laughs> I guess I guess this will be beneficial to you. So, well, no, that that just is inherently done. Like there are different like entry types in One Password. So whether it's a login, like a computer, like an SSH key, a secure node, like an identity, or that kind of stuff. Like that's just inherently available. So let me log into my Mac Studio. But I, but go. I didn't I didn't see a way like in One Password Seven, like on the left hand side, there there was like a there, area where it said like logins credit cards i I don't see that in one password eight well so on that one if you go to preferences and then appearance you can then toggle a little switch that says always show in the sidebar categories and then you'll get back the old Mm. thing that shows you logins credit cards identities like that is the bare minimum yeah i had to turn that back i don't know why that's off by default like i think they really want you to use that search bar but no that's that's very easy to get back Got it. Okay. But I have diff- I have three different vaults. Like one of which is just like all my like personal logins, one which is kind of like computers and systems and other stuff, and then one that's for work stuff. And it really, 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 really wants to show you all your vaults at the same time. And there's no real way to fix that. All you can do is make vault collections of which I then had to just make three collections, one of which only contains one vault, which is so dumb. I don't know. Like, it's it's not horrible. Like, I, my complaints are not, like, the same thing that everybody has. Like, oh, it's an Electron app. Why are people not making real Mac apps? Like, I don't I don't care about that. But, eh, that's just, it, that's kind of annoying, and I'm not seeing a bunch of benefit from it, but it it, it is what it is. I mean, I'll, I'll get used to it, but it's kind of needlessly weird. And also, the new Chrome extension... Is it basically its own app? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. And when I, I when I that went from me. yeah, when I went from one password seven to eight, I don't think that involves doing anything with the Chrome browser thing because it's yeah, it's like its own separate thing. I don't know why that makes me nervous a little. Like I feel like I just like a, an app that's like because when it was. Uh, linking to an app that I I feel like is kind of like somewhat siloed away on my Mac versus a just like a random plugin inside Chrome. I don't know. Like I'm I'm being an old man about it, but it kind of feel, feels they, weird. I don't well, love it. I don't know if it's still the case with One Password Eight, but with One Password Seven and earlier, they they gave you the option of both. So they they actually had two different Chrome extensions, and I think this mm. is true for like Safari as well where you could download an extension that is exactly what you're just saying, which is it, it's basically just like a window into your main app. Um, that was the only extension they had for a long time. And then when they came out with the kind of like fully standalone extension, that kind of like mini extension, I guess, became kind of like their legacy one. But you could still use it. I I don't know if you don't, still can with one password eight or not. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it got deprecated with one yeah. password eight. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. I think the, I think the the Chrome the Chrome extension seems to to work well for me. 
Yeah, the one thing I did have to turn off was there's a thing, there's an option where it will very aggressively try to suggest autofill whenever you like click in a password field. Yeah, I had to turn that off. Because sometimes it would just yeah. like, I'll have too many logins for the same website. Because it, again, it's trying to show me all my vaults. So anytime I go to a Google site, it'll show me two different work accounts and uh, my throwaway Gmail and my real Gmail. And it's just, it's too much. Yeah, that doesn't right. bother me a ton on the desktop, but on iPhone, that does bother me a lot. Well, because whenever it, like that thing at like at, on top of the keyboard number row, if it's not the right one, it is kind of annoying. Yeah. All right, a couple other things. Uh, you sent me an audio clip. Uh, so that Sonos thing, there's a, there's a new Sonos voice assistant that they had to make for some reason, and it has the voice of Gus Fring, uh, actor Giancarlo Esposito. Um, and he sent me, I forgot what you asked it, but yeah, it's... I asked it what time it was. <laughs> and this isn't a very Gus Fring way. I don't know. It's kind of, because like Amazon Echoes have had a thing where like like for some random reason they're like oh hey samuel L. jackson will say some stuff to you but like it's too identifiable as him i don't know what well, do you ever think you're going to use this other than the the one test you did no i mean i haven't okay. i haven't used it since then um i actually haven't really even looked very much into what it's capable of i think my understanding is that it really just controls music. It's not like it doesn't control any of your smart home stuff or anything like that. So what is the alleged um, benefit versus just using either their Google I, assistant or Amazon Alexa integration? I, I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you. I, I had actually kind of forgotten about it and had just opened the Sonos app the other day to, I don't know, do look at something else. And it little pop-up came up. I was like, Hey, upgrade your devices today for the Sonos assistant. I was like, well, yeah, okay, fine. Um, and then mo mostly tried it because I wanted to hear what the voice sounded like. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, ha I haven't actually used it for anything since that little test that I sent you. And I, and I don't, I don't think I would. Like, I'm, I'm so <laughs> used, I'm so used to using Amazon's voice assistant. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be juggling multiple voice assistants. Yeah, it's like the people like some people like will have like will actively have like Echoes, Google Home, and use Hey Siri. Like that's I don't, how do you even keep it straight? I don't know. It, I, yeah, I I don't know, and you know I know that like like Mark Marco's really hard on the um, Amazon integration with Sonos, um, but I I don't know. I I think it I think it works fine. And I'm I'm sort of I'm consistently impressed. I think I've mentioned this before with Sonos how. It, everything is very interoperable like what i'm what i mean by that is like i can open apple music and start air playing a song to you know any one of my sonos speakers and then if i want to pause that music or skip to the next track or do whatever i can do that with the amazon voice assistant even though i didn't you know kick off the music session session with her and and vice versa so like I'm always I'm always really impressed with. You would think it'd be a lot more limited than that. You know what I mean? Like you would think like, oh, you know, you can use the voice assistant, but only if you like start your music session with it or something like that. Mm -hmm. But no, it's it's you know I I think the I think the existing voice integrations work really well, which is why it's really not clear to me why 
Like, I, I don't know what problem Sonos was trying to solve. I'm a little worried think... this is a sign that they're going to get rid <laughs> of um, no. third-party voice assistant support. No way. I just think it's kind of like, you know, when Apple made Apple Maps. Like, they, no company wants to be beholden to have, like, a key part of your experience be somebody else's thing. Could be. But there's yeah. just no way that they're going to be able to put the resources behind it to make it robust enough where people are going to want to use it. So, yeah, it does seem kind of like a fool's errand, but, you know. All right, a couple other quickies before we get into WWC. Um, there was a ruling in the EU that all mobile devices pretty much have to use USB-C by the end of 2024. I think this is super dumb and silly. Like, we all hate that we have too many different chargers, and sometimes co uh, companies, <coughs> Apple, will... Uh, hold on to proprietary chargers longer than they, longer than they need to to create a moat to kind of force lock-in but also i just don't know how this works like what happens when there's a new connector or how, how do you innovate or create something new like you shouldn't have to make your product plans present them to a monolithic not tech savvy governing body that's a hodgepodge of 28 countries in europe and hope that they are okay with how you want something to chart i i don't know i i it's sort of solving a problem but it's also really not i don't know i think this is kind of silly yeah i i agree um but all, all you know and all the reporting is now that i think it's next year's iphone is going to yeah. be USB-C. so um yeah seems like it's Maybe that's the one good thing that comes <laughs> comes from this, because um, I, I I am I'm I'm I think you were you were ahead of the curve on this um, mm -hmm. compared to me. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I I'm I'm really tired of anything that's not USB C now. Oh my god! This I, I used this to, it used to not I really cannot die. I, <laughs> like I used to not really be that bothered by it. I guess because I, you know, still had such a large number of devices that weren't USB-C. Um, but, like, now I'm to the point where, you know, 80, 85% of what I use now is USB-C. And so that remaining, like, 15% that's not, I'm... So what... Like, there, there's a couple of examples where, like, I'm tempted to replace a perfectly working version of what I have... <laughs> with the newer version just because it has USB-C. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. What are the what are the like the lingering devices that make you pull out a micro USB cable and insert it upside down the first time? Like what <laughs> what, what like what are those devices? So one of the main ones is um I have a pair of I think they're the Bose like QC35s um mm -hmm. which I actually use with my um uh Windows PC. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just, they're really, really comfortable. Like, I, I mean, I, I used to use them when I traveled, you know, if you can remember what that was like. Um, but you know, now I just use them for my, for my windows PC. Um, that, so those are, those are micro USB and there, there's a newer version. I think it's like the QC 45s and those are USB C, but like my QC 35s are fine. <laughs> um, I well, just FYI, I mean the the Sony XM threes and fours are kind of the gold standard right now, and because the XM fives just came out, the XM threes keep going on sale. I don't know if it does become a bugaboo for you. Uh, apparently, you could pick those up fairly cheap now. Yeah, but what yeah, else? Okay. 
Um, I have a um anchor Bluetooth speaker, which I think I've made a chef special in the past. That's like oh, the Soundcore Two, yeah, yeah, which I use. Um, it's kind of randomly in various contexts, and that's that's micro USB C, or just no, just micro USB. Yeah, micro USB. Guys, <laughs> micro, yeah, what what is micro USB C? Um, I like Anchor, yeah, that, uh, where uh, they have a pair of headphones called the Life Q35s. Like they took off the C, like nobody's gonna notice. <laughs> Come on. Um, and then, well, I used to have a mouse that was micro USB, but we'll actually that's actually tonight's chef special, so I'll mm. leave that as a tease. Um, well, then I'm also annoyed by anything that's lightning, right? So I use you know an Apple keyboard, including like this brand new keyboard that I bought that has touch ID on it for my, you know, fancy new work computer. That's lightning still, which is so annoying. I mean, they, they at least package a lightning to USB-C cable in the box. So, you know, you can plug it into your computer. What a, what a novel concept. Um, I'm also annoyed. I'm, I'm annoyed by my Apple Watch sometimes too. How that's not just like standard Qi charging, and that eh, it's its own eh. you know thing. That I I, well, I, I don't ever I, get that complaint because like the eh. the 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 it would, the watch would be bigger or worse in a variety of ways because of that. I guess what I'm saying is I I like the idea of only having one charger type. Well, I'll just wait for air power to come out. <laughs> all right uh and then lastly uh ted lasso uh friend of the show what's his name roy kent the guy brett goldstein mm-hmm. the uh, oscar mm-hmm. Grouch's best bud um said that the uh that season three is being written as though it is their last and he gave that uh scoop to the sunday times not the independent which seems like a missed opportunity um, um no this, this yeah there i know that this made some headlines uh the other day but i mean th- this has been known since day one with this show like it was it was pitched as a three season show jason sudeikis has for years now been consistently saying it's a three-year show so like this is this is not anything new i mean i think it's it's becoming more of a thing now because you know season three is is coming up but but this has been this has been kind of a known thing for for a while yeah but the competing thing is that americans love running tv shows into the ground (laughs) well because that's the one thing that the british are very very good at it's like they're willing to let a thing be eight episodes and let it die whereas americans will be like oh people liked it six seasons let's just keep doing it let's put andy in Um, charge (sighs) well it it will um i mean the, the thing that people have always countered the three season thing with is that well surely you know apple is just gonna you know back the 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 money truck up to jason sudeikis's house and you know see what it takes to get you know more than three seasons but you know it's sometimes like especially with someone as successful as he is like it's not it's not really just about the money like it's it's time away from his kids um it's you know sometimes it's a belief in the story like if you really have a three a three season story to tell and you don't feel like you have anything more to tell beyond that you know so we'll see yeah all right well on monday so we we didn't actually make the trip out well 
Um, I'm not sure if it was an, an option available to us. Do, do you want to talk about WWDC first, or do you want to talk about the in the meta stuff related to WWDC first? We're talking uh, about we both. should pr- we should probably get the meta stuff out of the All way. Right. So I this was going to be an alternate intro, but I was going to ask. So I know you you've been out of the game for a while, but do you know what the term thirsty means? Uh, I I do. Okay. Yeah. I kind of feel like so. There's there. I'll set up kind of the, the framing of this. So I've I've unless I've I've kind of been off the tech podcast bandwagon for a while, even though ostensibly we host one. Um, a lot of people in the kind of uh like the relay Twitter vaguely old school but new school Apple community got invitations along with a bunch of other press to. Uh, like, was there a term for like the watch party or like what, what, what was it? What was the guise of the, like of the invites? Like that you were just media or what was, what yeah, was I don't, that? I don't think there was, I think it, I mean, it, everybody was just getting media badges. So yeah, but basically like, a, a bunch of invites went out a week in advance, I guess, um, to a bunch, a bunch of media. And also this included uh and this is wdc is still not a open for business event like there was no in-person component of it other than this media event in the past two years there's been no in-person component whatsoever so a lot of people got invites to that and you can probably speak to this better than i have because i I did not listen to most of this i did get a little bit of it on the six callers podcast but um a lot of ostensibly independent and I don't want to say like a lot of the podcasters that we listen to are journalists or or have some like strict ethics to live by, but a lot of those people are are fans of Apple and want to like they they enjoy the products they like talking about them. That's that they made their living for a certain amount of their living based off of talking about the company and to people who like listening about the company. But a lot of them are were so eager and happy to fly themselves out at their own expense to Cupertino to visit Apple Park and visit the mothership and watch a recording of an event at Apple. And that was kind of the gist of it. And apparently there were hours and hours and hours of content devoted to just talking about what might happen i I, like you can probably shed more insight onto that than than i would know but i just think that that is a little weird and the thing that exacerbates this is that uh, adjacent to many wwdc's in the past back when they were in person uh john gruber who writes staring fireball and hosts the the talk show podcast would do like a live in-person one and this frequently happened at the california theater in san jose and when it was in moscone there used to, he used to do events um in soma at mezzanine and those were always cool and you got to see people from the community in, in person and uh 2016 and later he frequently got apple app actual apple executives on stage which was always kind of neat and a treat but then it started being every year which was slightly weird but this year, it was recorded at the Apple campus, and tickets were like provided and like organized 
by Apple itself, which kind of feels like any bit of objectivity or like separation of church and state is like, this is gone. I, I don't know. Like all of that felt super weird. And I don't know if I'm off base to point it out. I don't know. That was two well, main criticisms, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think you are, but I also don't know if that means that maybe I maybe that you are off base and I'm just off base too. Um, but the the thing that I've really struggled with with all of this is that, and you know, some of this might just be the auditor in me, but I also feel like this is something that journalists also generally would agree with and follow which is that like when you think of independence which mm-hmm. is a, a core thing of both journalism and auditing mm-hmm. there's this idea that it's not just about independence in fact it's about independence in appearance mm-hmm. um and so you know, I, I, I'm not really, I don't really believe that the podcasters and Apple media that we follow are like totally in the bag for Apple. Like that's not, that's not really what I'm implying. I mean, <laughs> Gruber might be becoming a bit of a different story, but, um, but just, in general, go ahead. Well, my, my only point with that would be, is that it, it kind of, I guess like the undercurrent of this is access journalism which is just that if you're having an event hosted at apple apple's campus even more so than in the past you are not going to ask difficult questions to that person not and not that these events are like uh, like some investigative journalism like like hard-hitting thing but like as the media gets integrated, like in like everything is at the campus and the only like in COVID times, like everything is super restricted. It's your, your chance of not getting invited back is extremely high. So that's the part where that whole independence thing seems very fraught, but sorry, please continue. Well, yeah, I almost want to put the talk show thing aside because I actually do think what, gruber did there is a violation of independence in fact not just about appearance Mm -hmm. so like to me that's like such a blatant kind of problem Mm -hmm. i almost want to like put that aside Mm -hmm. um i think with basically everybody else from the media who attended this event the, the the part that i really struggle with is apple sent an invitation, as you said, a week ahead of time. They gave absolutely no details as to what the invitation entailed. And that was the case, it seems like, basically right up until people arrived. And then, you know, it ended up being, as most people suspected it would be, that all the all the media who was there would do is watch the exact same video that you know we we all got to watch at home and yeah there was a hands-on area afterwards for the new MacBook Air which mm. you know <laughs> which a surprise is 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 a laptop and is 
very, very similar to the MacBook Airs of the past. So to me, it seems like, like, was there any criteria in which someone from the Apple media wouldn't have accepted this invitation? Like there was no context given. The things that you could kind of read between the lines on were that we're just going to kind of see the same thing that everybody else gets to see. So like I, I would sort of think that a kind of professionally skeptical independent journalist would look at that and say, well, why, like, why would I go there? Like, what am I, what am I providing my audience by being there that I can't provide them by just being at home? I feel like a lot of them thought it was to talk about the experience of going to Apple Park. Well, like, and that's, and that's, and being, that, that seems like that gets, that gets weird too. And that's, and like, I, it, we, we, but that's we kind were, of like, we were, okay, sorry. Yeah, we were going back and forth about this a little bit the morning of the event where and you got all these people posting these Instagram stories and pictures and Twitter posts and but stuff. But it's like they're like, at Disneyland. Like, that's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it, kind of gross. I don't, I don't know. It, it, and the, you know, it, it is. And then like Marco it, posted it, a picture, like a, 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 like a weird like a picture, and he said the, like, the tag was like, me with my friend Tim. It was it was very weird. It's It's weird. Like, it's... It's different when these events have been, you know, at the San Jose Convention Center mm -hmm. or at Moscone or some, you know, kind of neutral site. But when it's when it's Apple's own campus and you've got these people who are allegedly supposed to be critically and independently reporting on the company posting the same pictures that like fans would be like mm -hmm. it's it's just it's kind of weird and and again like that's that's where i go back to my original point which is you know i i i don't have any way to prove and i don't necessarily think that you know everybody that i listen to and follow is is just <laughs> like following the orders of apple like literally but there's just there's something about the appearance of not seeming like you're independent and that you're kind of just doing whatever the company who you're covering wants you to do that's mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of kind of off-putting and it i think what's what i'm most disappointed by is that there wasn't anybody who who questioned this as far as mm -hmm. i know like everybody who was invited went like there wasn't a single person who was like Wait, why am I going to this? Um, I mean, the, the only thing I can say positive-ish, I guess, <laughs> is that what would have really been the thing that would have kind of set me off in a different kind of way was if they had done some kind of live component of the keynote where they did... I don't know, like a drone flyover or something of the crowd leading into the main video. Mm -hmm. Because then that literally would have been the media showing up to then be basically Props. a prop yeah. in the video. And so, I, I mean, I still think in a lot of ways they were props for the event, but at least it wasn't quite that literal. Um, 
but yeah, well, it just just really really disappointing. Well, I mean the whole the whole like functionally from like a uh, like marketing perspective, it's like you you have people who are guaranteed to. I mean, they were all going to talk about it anyway, but like to glowingly talk about this event and the experience and how it was such a treat to be able to experience it in such a specific way as Apple gradually returns to normal and blah, 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 all that bullshit. Like it was, it's just lousy. Like I get, I get that like Mar uh, Casey Liss is not uh, Walter Cronkite or like, or who, who, who's an investigative journalist. I, like, I, I don't know. He's, he's no, he's not John Dickerson. Like there's, but kind there's, it feels like eventually there's a point where you uh, have some duty to not just be uh, like, mm -hmm. anyway. Well, so I, another example of this is that, so Jason recorded Upgrade mm -hmm. on Monday at a podcast studio provided by Apple huh. on, I think, I think at the new developer center thing mm -hmm. um, that they were giving people tours of. And again, like, I, I totally don't think that, you know, he was sitting there, like, reading some script from Apple or something. Like, I, I'm totally not suggesting that. But it is weird to be doing your show where you allegedly cover a company and are supposed to be doing so in an independent, unbiased way. And you're doing that show from a studio provided by that company, like that. It would be the, like, the optics of that are just not good. It would be like a like a, a, a NBC News journalist doing a uh, report on like a presidential debate from like the DNC headquarters. Like it's, it's just just weird. Yeah, it's it's weird exactly. And you know, you're you're completely right. Like this is this isn't the New York Times. This isn't you know traditional journalism but I, I but i think the part that bothers me is i feel like with a lot of the apple media that's what they want you to think of them and they a lot of many of them sort of like make that point even mm -hmm. explicitly sometimes and i just i just don't feel like you can push to be viewed that way but then do something like go to Apple's campus with no context about what you're there for. And then when you get there, you're not really being given any sort of access that you couldn't have just gotten by staying at home. Yeah. And again, any type of whatever you're going to talk about, you, I like, it's just that it's that vague invisible hand and not, not in the economic sense of, like you're whatever you're gonna say you're worried about am i going to be afforded this opportunity again right and that impacts your behavior and your objectivity well, and that that and just the just the act of being there colors your opinion of the keynote mm -hmm. as well like even again even if it's not in some kind of explicit way it's i mean this is this is why companies do these types of events it's a feel good thing like you, they, this is why Apple does WWDC for developers and why they wanted to have an in-person component for developers. They, they wanted select strategic developer developers to feel good about seeing this new developer center in person to post about it on Twitter, to tell their other friends about it, et cetera. Like there, there's, there's a, um, 
sort of unmeasurable kind of effect with these in-person type gatherings. I mean, even the, the, the free pastries and coffee, like all that stuff just kind of like colors your opinion of the event in a different sort of way than just, you know, sitting at home, watching it on a screen. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's where, you know, if, if as a, as a member of the media, if by being there, you're covering an actual live event or you're, you're being given a demo of, of some new product or something to that effect, like, okay, then I get it. But when you just sit down in a folding chair outside to watch the same video we're watching at home and then get to see you know a slightly revised version of a laptop that's been out for over a decade i i just i just don't see what the purpose of the media being there was or we'll take selfies in apple park well, yeah. Again, all right. Well, well, and I, I, I will continue to not listen to any tech stuff. So I will. I have no idea what ATP or upgrades sounded like. Probably for the best. I, I don't. Because um, the thing is, like, as we'll talk about, we're probably going to rush through the actual content of it because we're we're running long. But um, I wonder. I anyway. I don't know. I wonder how much of the actual show itself is going to be fawning over what the experience was as a boots on the ground uh podcaster and that you know the, I mean, the other thing too is, is there was there was a lot of skepticism expressed by various people about the in-person component of the event a lot of like why are they doing this this seems kind of risky from a covid perspective especially given recent case counts in the bay area well, but they. they but then it was up. like as soon as they as soon as they got the invite, it was like, oh yeah, let's do it. Which that mm -hmm. that part of it's mm -hmm. also just kind of, yeah. kind of weird to me. I, I, yeah, I don't know. All right, well, let's move on to the meat of it. So you are the uh, exhaustive note taker, but I'm going to mm. also up, mm. uh, pull up the verges. I think they had like a, the 16 announcements or like the, the main takeaways from the event, but uh, you lead the charge here. Uh, so I've, I've got things in uh, chronological order here, and I've kind of taken particular note of like the, the areas that I okay. thought were, yeah, kind of interesting. So I can kind of start going through these quickly and then maybe it. you can kind of interrupt. I'll stop for once that, important happens. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, so we'll, we'll start with, uh, TVOS. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. No, they didn't. They didn't talk about that at all. Well, uh, real quick this, this year, <laughs> um, overall, like not, not, not production quality, but what, what did you think about the event in, in general? Like just the way it was produced? Did you like the, like in terms of like presenter handoffs, how much screen time certain executives got, like the way it was made, any, any thoughts or it felt like all other years? Well, this year there was a lot more handoffs of people who were actually in the same space, <laughs> which, mm -hmm. you know, for the first couple of years they were doing this, like it, they're, you know, extreme social distancing um, between all the presenters. I mean, I, I thought it was fine. It, it's the same, it's kind of the same video we've seen for, you know, over two years now. It feels like they're doing too much with the... um executives as like they're doing too much with craig like there was the whole Ag agreed i don't He's mean become, i don't i don't mean too much yeah. screen time but in terms of the like 
he's doing like weird slow-mo like run like because it was like sometimes they'll throw in like kind of like something that they hope i guess becomes like a meme but like a lot of the special effects were very over the top and yeah there's there's a lot of i i love craig to death but i feel like just it being just like they're talking about interesting stuff and like there's a lot there was a lot of really cool developments and features and stuff like just he's the is he this the svp of software is that his deal I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like, he he's an extremely well-spoken and competent, but, like, he, it's so much, but, like, they don't have to do so much of the, him brushing his hands through his hair and doing slow-mo, like, right, like, it's, it, it was funny once, but now it just feels kind of weird. Not, not, not in the uh, <laughs> ethics weird, but just weird and kind of, you know. One, it feels, it feels kind of out of place. Yeah, like, because do, nobody else is like that. And do regular people understand why that's funny or or well i don't think regular or, people watch these videos so i don't uh, think fair. that really yeah. matters yeah but anyway uh, i, I thought yeah, like no, it, it, yeah. it felt like every like other years but like at 211 i don't know it just felt, it felt a little... yeah all right but did, um, yeah all right. Start, go for it yeah so so uh starting with ios 16 um right off the bat there was an emphasis on personalization that was that was kind of the, the main theme that I think tied most of what they talked about. Um, the the one one thing that I actually thought was really good that um, Jason and Mike have been talking about on upgrade, which is um, iOS is really on maybe all of Apple's operating systems are really kind of on this like almost two year cycle where if a new feature hits or becomes kind of an even bigger deal than Apple maybe thought it would be. By the time they learn that, they're already so far into development on the next version of iOS that they actually can't really respond to that feedback until the next version. So basically like, you know, two years after the initial release. And I think clearly all of this personalization stuff is a response to the widgets that were originally introduced in iOS oh. 14 and, and all of the customization that was built around that, particularly with things like WidgetSmith and how that just completely took off in a way that I don't really think Apple originally thought of. And so all of the, all of the new stuff that they announced around custom lock screens and, you know, the way that you can, you know, customize the the fonts and the photo animations and various kinds of widgets, like all of that, I think was very clearly in response to the success and um, interest around uh, widgets from a couple of years ago. And, and all that stuff yeah. looked really good. Yeah, for, for this part, well, some of, yeah, the customization seems neat. A lot of it's like there, there are some, there have been in recent years some kind of cool watch face, like like bits and bobs of the new watch faces that they introduced that are kind of neat, like where they'll use like depth sensing, like the, the, the stuff that they capture that allows portrait mode to work that kind of allows you to like layer the time behind a photo. Like I think there's like a portrait watch face on the Apple Watch. And a lot of that stuff is kind of present here. Um, a lot of the stuff that they made related to the lock screen, not necessarily particular with customization, um, or like with like uh, like visual customization, is like the way that you can. Um, they made a lot of improvements to notifications, even though notifications are still a mess system wide in general. 
but they've addressed the problem of like things like where like ESPN or Bleacher Report will send you like 10 notifications an hour related to an ongoing event. And that's now going to have a much cleaner interface or like something where you might be tracking something, whether it be uh, like DoorDash or uh, Uber Ride or something like that, that now has a new type of notification type called live, live activities live activities yeah like that seems neat and i'm assuming this also translates to notification center when the phone's unlocked probably it'd be weird if it's only on the home screen but yeah those, those yeah, are actually I think so yeah i mean those, those are very cool like the 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 lock screen i feel is it's neat that it's less like because it hasn't really changed much since like iOS 4 to iOS 7, and then it's been basically the same ever since. So kind of neat, but I also I don't stare at my lock screen that much. I'm like, other than just checking the time. So, But the, the richer notification thing is nice. And it'll be uh, like the thing where they, I don't know what the name of the feature was, but where notifications kind of cluster down at the bottom. So that way, when you like wake your phone to look at the time, you don't get that kind of dread of like just seeing like fucking like 16 notifications and you're just like Ugh, and then you just want to throw your phone away like that's nice i don't know but like overall i thought the notification stuff was actually pretty cool yeah i, I did too um the widgets also look really nice it came out after the event or maybe this was part of like state of the union or something where the widgets on the home screen are, are literally apple watch complications so if you have an mm. apple watch complication you can just literally port it straight over to be a widget on the iPhone lock screen. So that's kind of neat. Um, you know, German reported a week or two before the event that the next iPhone, at least the pro versions are going to have probably have an always on display. And this, this all very much seems to be laying the groundwork for that. Um, the other thing that they talked about with the lock screen stuff was that you can tie them into focus modes. So, you know, by switching to a different lock screen, you can automatically switch over to an associated focus mode or vice versa. Um, they also talked about focus filters where you can have focus modes, for example, only show you certain threads and messages or certain tab groups in Safari. Um, yeah, that... all, all that stuff totally goes over my head and I just... It seems I don't know. neat See, in theory, yeah, but we, it, it feels like how on earth are you going to specify what websites are work-related? Like, it feels like that's one of the things where you're going to spend either like 8,000 years setting it up or it's going to work badly. I mean, yeah, we, we've had we've had long conversations about this in the past. Like, to me, the answer is to is to just, like, have fewer notifications. <laughs> like, I focus modes to me seem... I don't know. They don't seem to address maybe the root problem sometimes that they're allegedly trying to solve. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, hey, for people who love them, great. The the the, the integration with the new lock screens seems seems nice. Um, me messages got a lot of attention. Yay. So they're the the um, top top three most requested features for messages evidently have been addressed, which are editing messages unsending messages and marking previously read and received messages as unread again so on that last um, one i didn't know that you couldn't do that i thought you could yeah no mm -mm. no it's that that's a that's a nice one um yeah well if you 
you know, if you get like a notification for messages and you accidentally tap it to open the message, it marks the message as red. So you, you lose the little, you know, blue dot next to the thread in messages and there's there's no way to to get that back currently. Hmm. Um, so you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to edit messages and, you know, the message just shows up as edited, kind of like Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, both of those seem great. The uh-huh. unsend one? No. <sighs> I have questions of the Apple said something to the effect during the presentation that there would kind of be some like limitations in so, terms of like, so for both has edits, this come out since then, yep, I guess. So for both edits and, un, uh, and recalling or retracting a message, you have 15 minutes to do either of these. Mm. I don't like this at all. I, once you send it off, you, you've, you've sent your thing. I like the editing thing. Cause I, I'm somebody who, <laughs> If I do a typo, even if it's not one that impacts the like the meaning of the message, I will still do the thing of like I will correct my my typo and do the little asterisk. Like I, it'll be nice to not have to do that anymore, as a like a a really nitpicky control freaky person. But I do not like the ability for somebody to delete a message they've already sent. I mean, I I guess once you give people the ability to edit, you're also basically giving them the ability to unsend. Right, because if if you didn't explicitly give people the ability to unsend and you only gave them the ability to edit, I mean, what's to stop somebody from editing a message and just put like a space, like a blank space in it and resend it? It's the same thing. And eh, not quite. It's it's still you can't pretend nothing happened. Is yeah, it... did when you when you unsend a message, it, does it? Is there no record that you sent one in the first place? It, like it doesn't. I assume say... it recalls the notification as well. Where unless you. Like, unless you saw it on your watch or like, yeah, like I assume it, it, it recalls the message and it recalls the notification. So if somebody didn't look at their phone in time or is not an Apple Watch customer, they would just never, never know it was sent. Right. Don't like that and at I, all. And I assume this is all limited to iMessage. Yeah, I assume if you're using <laughs> SMS, n- none of this works. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. So there's there's that. Um, yeah, that, that's that's generally good stuff. Um there's SharePlay integration in messages now. Um, have you ever used SharePlay? I, I never have. Um, one of the main criticisms of, of it, which made a lot of sense to me, is that maybe you would want to share play a video or music or something with somebody, but you wouldn't necessarily want to be on a video call with that person. So I think having SharePlay integrated into messages where you can just have a little kind of ancillary text message thread going on makes a lot of sense. So... I don't personally use SharePlay, but for those who do, this seems like a, a neat a neat thing. Um, and then they they highlighted some some really cool looking improvements to dictation, where you can, um, and this this is kind of, I think this is kind of like system wide. I don't think this is necessarily just within messages, where you can kind of bounce back and forth between dictation and using the the actual keyboard. And that, well, that all looked pretty nice. Well, so I, I think you're burying the lead a little bit there, which is the nice thing is that uh, dictation can now happen entirely locally on device. Where that it, no that that was a um, that was a iOS um, either 15 or 14 thing. I don't think that's true. Um, I, I, I think I think it iOS is on device dictation. Yeah, they did did like a whole Siri and voice privacy thing either last year or the year before. Damn it, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I accept your apology. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, no. 
it was an apology. <laughs> you you can you, you're misinterpreting my words. You're, you, I, I did not edit that message. Um, yeah. So that's neat. So you, you can uh, because the thing the way iOS normally works is when you're doing dictation, which apparently happens on device now. Um, it, it hides the keyboard. Been. Yeah, it it hides it hides the keyboard. Now the keyboard stays active. So if you wanted to. Like it's just much more robust. So like I don't know if you in in the old days of using computers, did you ever use like uh Dragon Naturally Speaking? No, I ne- I never really used any of that. Yeah, like it used to be like much more of where like you can talk and you can you could be much more advanced about it. Whereas on this one, like you can use the text selector tool, still have voice edit voice dictation active and if you start talking, it will automatically replace whatever's within like the cursor's scope. Like it, it's it's nice and robust. It feels like very much like a power user feature, but yeah, it looks looks cool. All right, the problematic introduction. <laughs> so then, yeah, they then they switched over to talking about wallet, which um, the the framing of of this. I don't know if they've used this phrase before, and I just missed it. But the the way they describe this. The, the the goals of wallet was they want to replace your physical wallet. That was like an exact phrase that was mm-hmm. used. <clears throat> they which, talked about um, the driver's license thing, which they talked about last year, but it's getting yeah, wider they, they adoption. Actually, sort they of. actually made they made some kind of cool um I don't know if they were enhancements or just sort of clarifications of existing functionality, but like they showed how if an app wants to verify that you're of drinking age, let's say mm-hmm. Instead of sharing your actual birthday with that app, your your wallet can just validate that, you know, yes, this person in the US is, you know, twenty one or over. No, that's that's kinda neat. That's really I, that that one's really cool because like I don't know if you've ever had a company that like this seems to be like a much a more modern thing where people will like for identity verification like want you to send over pictures of your ID and like verify like weird documents. I don't like that at all. Whereas this for having some type of trusted secure platform that allows you to verify where it's the same reason of like why I'm paranoid where like I don't want like Bevmo to ever like scan my ID. It's like that like where they're getting much more information than they're bargaining for. Whereas if all they're trying to do is is this person a resident of this state and are they of a certain age? They don't also need your address, eye color and everything else. Like that's that that is a very neat enhancement. Right. Um but yeah, the, the replacing your physical wallet, I, I don't know. That seems, I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily like the right end goal. But anyway, um, they emphasized the new abilities to share keys in wallet, which I, I don't know. But my takeaway from that section was, who who's who's using keys in wallet, let alone wanting to share them. Like has anybody that because you're you're much more on the up on the smart home and the smart lock stuff than I am has anybody because like this got introduced last year where allegedly like August and a whole bunch of people were going to integrate into wallet more has anybody released like a mainstream product that the, does that there's one there's a schlog lock that that actually like just came out in the last month or two that as far as I know is the first one to introduce the new wallet functionality that Apple introduced last year. Um, and like my experience with this has been that, you know, there are hotels that, that allegedly do this and I, I, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever gotten it to work. Like I've I've always had it where it's like, oh, you know, check in at the front desk to actually get a physical key 
like when you try to do the mobile check-in and stuff. So I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, and I, I don't, I don't know anybody who has a car with, you know, car key. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I don't know. All that stuff seems a little early days, I guess is maybe the most charitable way to say it. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, there's order tracking now with um, right. with Apple Pay. So if if you if you use Apple Pay, you can if you use what, what was the initial partner they they mentioned like Shopify or something. Yeah, um, you're going to be able to do like order tracking now, which seems kind of neat. And then the big one, which I'll kind of hand over to you, I think, um, is uh, Apple Pay later. So are you familiar with BNPL? No. Okay. So there's a whole cottage industry that's cropped up over like the past five years. Oh, it's buy really... now, pay later? Yeah. I just, just got that. Yeah. Um, there's It got mostly started by a firm. They were one of the, the first ones to do this. And then Klarna uh, and Afterpay and a whole bunch of others have started doing this too. Or basically the the, uh, the premise of this whole category uh financial service providers is that hey you want to buy this breville barista express from the from uh bed bath and beyond and you don't want to pay all 5.99 up front um i think what is is it um i think klarna their thing is pay it in six or pay in four something like that where yeah you basically the merchant and them instead of Bed Bath & Beyond paying Visa, American Express, their 2.9% credit card and interchange fees and stuff like that. Um, the buy now, pay later provider will allow them to have the customer split up the cost of the purchase. The merchant takes a slight hit on their margins, but they don't have to pay for credit card processing fees. And it increases basket size overall because uh, people think they have more money to spend than they actually do. It's It's a weird situation and it's kind of like modern day layaway or installment plans for literally everything in life and you can have opinions about whether this is good for society or bad for society a spoiler it's bad um because it not everything in life should be an installment plan and if somebody is having to make a decision about buying something for 80 dollars at h&m and having to split that up i I i feel like that's creating certain habits that that are just not good overall. And I think there's been a lot of issues with even mild changes in interest rates right now, causing much, much higher default rates uh, with Gen Z customers and this type of thing. But anyway, so in, in these types of buy now, pay later schemes tend to uh, target and attract uh, closer to subprime borrowers or people with very, very limited credit histories. And apparently Apple wants to get in on that. So first Apple started with the Apple card two years ago, which there was a partnership between them and Goldman Sachs. And now this, which is actually going to be a completely in-house product uh, under, what did I, I posted a thing from the journal earlier today. Um, Cause they have a subsidiary now. Uh, Apple financing LLC. Uh, Apple is going to extend these like weird payday loans, buy now, pay later stuff under the brand Apple pay later do all the credit decisions themselves and yeah you're you're the company that makes your phone is now going to be giving installment loans to their customer to buy clothes and anything i i 
there, I guess there's two questions here. One, do you think this is a good business just in general for society? And do you think this is the business that Apple themselves should be in? Because I forget what your opinion on the Apple card in general was. Um, I don't know. The, the Apple car card, not car card. I'm less bothered by this, this buy now pay later thing. I, I don't, I don't like that as much. Why? Um, it just feels like it encourages irresponsible spending. Uh huh. Um, in a, in a, in a way that, um, I mean, I guess credit cards in general sort of do, but like this does in a more sort of explicit way, Mm -hmm. like the, like delaying a payment on something and making that sort of like a headlining feature. I mean, you get, you get no interest credit cards and stuff too, which I guess sort of do the same thing, but like. I know there's something about that which just feels irresponsible to promote. Mhm. Mhm. And also and ir- then you, irresponsible for a company hawking $1100 phones to be doing. Like cuz it kind it makes sense like the iPhone upgrade program was one of their first financial products. And that makes sense. Like it's it's like I'm kind of like just like most people aren't buying cars in cash. Like it it's an expensive purchase and it happens not that frequently. So therefore, like a company like that, it, it makes sense for them to offer that as an option. Cause like, let's say you're a family of four and you want to, you want to buy a new iPhone. It's like most people don't want to drop four grand for phones immediately. That's, that's fine. But making a central tenant of like your digital wallet strategy being, Hey, the people that make your phone are now going to help spot you 60 bucks for gas. And you can now split this. It's not good. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, and I I think you you brought this up offline where there's a lot of there's a lot of sticky questions around like what happens if you don't pay? <laughs> like since Apple is the one who I guess is taking on the financial risk here. Like, I mean, are you are you going to get locked out of your Apple ID? Like, what's well, and that's and that's the thing. I, I like the default rates are probably going to be lower because. I want to see what the repercussions are of owing Apple money. Because here's the thing, like, I assume if you default on your, well, the thing is, it's not even, uh, like, because the iPhone upgrade program, before it it is, it has slowly, not entirely, been kind of absorbed into Apple Card installments, but it used to be, uh, like, underwritten by, like, PNC Bank or something, or First Republic something or other. Like, yeah, once you owe Apple, like, sorry, but if you defaulted on your iPhone upgrade program, I assume they would, like, list the phone as stolen, right? Like, they they would blacklist the serial number, right? Probably. Yeah, I I I don't know, <laughs> but like, never, never tried. Yeah, just give it a try. Just 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 stop paying it. Um, uh, for science or for the show. Um, but yeah, like doing that on like if you if you what what yeah do do you get locked out of your Apple ID? Do they they threaten to delete all your photos? Do they blacklist your iphone like what do they do because i assume they're not going to just be like oh well okay no more installment plans for you but everything else is all cool like they uh they they bump you down to the uh free tier of icloud storage well no the services revenue 
Tim Tim would do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it it it's gross and like this. Yeah, this. Well, you know, there's also something about, um, like, I don't, you know, financing a car makes sense to me, but mm-hmm. like, or you know, some other purchase spread out over a long, very large purchase spread out over a long period of time. That I can get behind that. Um, four payments over six weeks. Who is that? Like helping? if if. Yeah, like if if being able to buy something is dependent on you spreading out that payment over six weeks instead of paying today, it's probably a purchase you shouldn't be making. So that that that's, that part of it, but yeah, that's an elitist thing for you to say. I'm no, but I'm but it's not though. I guess because that's because I've listened to so many interviews with the fucking guy that founded a firm, and it's the same thing. They're like, no, we're demo- they're, they always like all the tech companies will be like, we're democratizing this and we're doing. No, it's it's treating like if that's the same thing of like kind of like you know how like uh, credit card companies will frequently do like recruiting events on college campuses and like, hey, we'll give you a free frisbee if you sign up for a credit card. Like it's stuff like that where it's encouraging bad financial behavior because like it's giving immediate gratification to a purchase that maybe is not that should not be happening if you're having to make that decision it's just it's, it's just not it's not good there's one there's one other thing actually let me send you a picture because this was oddly timed i was at um a mall that apparently has like an in-person partnership with klarna and on this sign it's suggesting that somebody use their card to get four interest-free payments to pay off fifteen dollars. Like it just doesn't make any sense. It's it's very it's very weird. The whole entire like segment is just is is it's not good. And now Apple's diving headfirst into it because Tim Cook saw a dollar sign and he never said no to a dollar you could have. Which is why the Mac 13-inch MacBook Pro still exists. All right. Do you have anything else? Uh, on that? We'll, we'll, we'll we'll get there. <laughs> uh, no, nothing. Nothing else there. Um, we'll, we'll breeze through these next couple of sections. Yeah. You know, map maps got a bunch of updates. Um, that led to a sharp <laughs> transition into sports. Um, as you know, maps sports. Um, there there's a um like a my sports section in Apple News. The cool. aforementioned live activities notification thing. You've, not a lot to talk about there um the the last kind of ios thing um my well, actually there's i guess the next couple of things are kind of ios related too but um icloud shared um photo libraries is finally a thing after years and years of people like me wanting something like that um and it's it seems it seems really smartly implemented um you know, there's going to be things like being able to have it automatically put photos into that album if it if it detects that people who you're sharing that album with are like in the pictures and you're like physically around them when you're taking the pictures. There's an ability right within the camera app itself to designate whether photos that you're taking go into your personal library or the shared library. Uh, it, it all looks really nice. Um, my only reservation slash hope is that it works more reliably than existing shared albums do because those are kind of a mess. 
So is there, I, I kind of spaced during this announcement, is there a way for you to just straight up like have another Apple ID? Like can you, can some, can you just like delegate your entire, access your entire photo library on your Apple ID to your wife and you just, she has all your photos now? Basically, yeah. If you, if you bring over all of your existing photos into your shared library and then you set all new photos to just go into the shared library then then yeah that's basically what you've done but then on her phone do all of those photos become commingled in the library or is there like a shared tab that says here's ryan's library i i think when you go into the photos app you'll be able to switch back and forth between your shared library and your personal library okay and then there and then then there's probably an all photos view where it just shows you both libraries together would be my guess okay i'll be very interested to see how this actually works but that seems cool because yeah people like because what's the original one like is it called photo stream there's been like one like half broken way to share photos for it only shares like 500 photos and it's just very weird and there's there's photo stream and like I said they're they're shared albums um but that's just never been quite quite what you want um so yeah very interested to see what that looks like um home got got the next big section um <laughs> Apple said I wrote this down Apple said smart home is still in its early days <laughs> which I I thought was a very diplomatic way of saying what we continuously say which is smart home stuff is currently bad um. Apple also basically took credit for matter. I don't know if did you pick up on this? Well, yeah, they said um, they said we with an international standards body. They they act like yeah, they they basically acted like they were the ones who made it all happen. And then, then there there was a phrase I should have gone back to the video and wrote down the exact quote, but it, it was something to the effect of HomeKit is the foundation of matter, which I was like, huh, no, it's not. Okay. Um yeah, I hadn't heard them say that before, but whatever. Um, the The big news in this section was a, a complete redesign of the home app, which <laughs> to to say that that's long overdue would be an understatement. Um, the The redesign looks really nice. I mean, any anything was going to look a lot better than the the current version. So excited to uh, try that. Okay. Um. The next section of the event I actually thought was the coolest of the entire keynote, which was the sneak peek. And they they did this a couple of times during the event. Um, The sneak peek of um, the next generation of CarPlay. Uh, But actually, before before we get there, there was one other bullet point I wanted to to mention. So the the first slide in this section was that 98% of cars in the U.S., now have carplay as an option so i I brought this up does this mean 98 percent of all cars in total or 98 percent of car models it's 98 percent of car models yeah so you know you you can you you can buy a car and and not get a trim with carplay but that model would have had carplay as an option but i so i so I, i looked this up just before the show tesla is literally two percent of the u.s car market well, no, no, but, literally, literally, that's what the math is. Well, but no, if we're, if we're going back to, you just mean, but again, you just, you said it was models. I, I know it's not, it's not like one for one, but I, it's just, it, it, it basically every car sold in the U.S. now has the option to get CarPlay except for Tesla. Which, yeah, probably. 
yeah. Um, but anyway, so going back to, um, again, what I, I thought was the, the coolest part of the entire event, which was that the, the next generation of CarPlay, the, the vision for that is that not only is CarPlay going to be almost like this mode or this app that your car um, infotainment system can go into, but rather CarPlay can basically take over all kind of screens and, and menus within the car, including like your, you know, your instrument cluster. If you've got a car that's got, you know, a, a digital one with that's basically just like a big screen. And I mean, all of that just looked really, really, really slick. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a ways out. They said that cars with this weren't even going to be announced until late next year. So, you know, they're, they're still a couple of years away, but I thought that all looked really cool. So a couple of things on this. I don't think it looks very cool, but, um, because hmm. sure it looks, so if you, every photo they had, was it, I guess, in a completely black parking garage, like in, in regular usage, I don't think this visual design would work very well. Uh, a point that I brought up online, offline was what car company is going to give up every inch of visual branding and like to Apple? Nobody. Who, what car company is that weak right now that is willing to do that? Like BMW is always willing to try. Like they were the, the first iPod, your your car partner, and they were the first that to support wireless CarPlay. And also the first that did Apple Car Key, but if literally every screen in the car is just powered by your iPhone, that I don't think there are any car companies that are going to give up every bit of personalization and the look and feel of, of the experience to an iPhone. I, I just I just don't get it. I, I don't think anybody's actually going to do that like the instrument cluster stuff i think actually doesn't look that good like why do you need this like i'm looking at the verge thing why do you need 30 percent of the screen to show you a compass with what degrees you're traveling in like i don't i don't think that's that's useful and also just based off of my experience using wireless carplay in my car uh maybe a couple times a week there's just a, a dropout where carplay stops working until I turn Wi-Fi off and on on my phone again. If the car instrument cluster is is powered off that, I'm not sure how that works. Like Apple likes to say everything works all the time. It doesn't. It's better than Android, but it's still not 100%. I don't, I think this is so far off and very few companies actually do it. Like if you look at, like if you just Google a picture of uh, the BMW iX interior, this looks like what that would actually be. Like they have basically like a 20 inch ultra wide, like crazy uh, touchscreen that spans like the, from the like left side air vent all the way through the middle of the center console. Like this is that screen. I cannot imagine them giving every inch of this to Apple. If this was supposed to be like a preview of what, the interior of an Apple car would look like cool, I guess. But yeah, I, I have super dim hopes this ever actually comes out. And if any company actually is willing to do this, I don't think it's going to work that well. 
I feel like we probably said the same thing about original CarPlay too. Like, why would any company outsource mm. maps and music and all that key functionality in their car? And everybody has. I yeah, disagree. I think it's different. Like just having the infotainment screen, but the yeah, no, I yeah, I disagree. Well, all right, we're we're running late. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Um, so watch watch OS nine. Um neat neat running metrics yeah that was my big takeaway from that mm-hmm. seems seems like you'll enjoy that yeah and also um, they're making uh they're bringing the one omission that's always been super weird is that you could only ever use the fitness app on an iphone or is it the activity app or the fitness app one of the two um unless you had an apple watch they're rectifying that where it'll just use i don't even think i don't think they market it as like remember they had like the motion coprocessor like your your iphone has sensors it can do basic fitness right. tracking so that's now an option on your phone too. It's kind of neat, right? Yeah, um, and a, a medication app, <laughs> which um, yeah, neat. I actually I actually thought was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Anything else with WatchOS? No. Yeah, no. Um, so then we get into the Mac part of the presentation. So new new MacBook Air, as long long rumored with the the M two, um. Looks looks great. Um, I I plan on purchasing one of these when they go on sale next month. The midnight color in particular, I think, looks really looks really sharp. sharp. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not the brightly colored MacBook Airs that have been rumored for a long time, but yeah, if we're gonna get an additional color, of, that's a nice one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then for some reason, a new 13-inch MacBook Pro, also with the M2, and also with a Touch Bar. I fucking Tim. I, I mean, they said in the presentation that this is the world's second best-selling laptop. For which I who, I just in the pre-Apple Silicon days, I, 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 I get it, but in in a world where the M1 version of the macbook pro and now the m2 version of it are basically just identical to the macbook air i i i just i just don't i don't get it and actually it makes even less sense with the m2 version because in a lot of ways the pro is inferior to the air it it doesn't have magsafe Mm -hmm. it has the touch bar which is a a bug not a feature um it has a smaller screen, so then the MacBook Air actually technically has a bigger screen corner to corner now well, than it's, the 13-inch MacBook Pro. It's got bigger bezels, though, so you're less likely to get fingerprints on the actual image you're looking at. That's yeah, a plus. So it's, <laughs> so it's very it's very strange. Um, but but anyway. well, and also, yeah. uh, so a couple things on the, M, the, the MacBook Air. So color-matched MagSafe cable, very nice touch. And a uh, dual port charger as well. You can get I think, a is that 36 a... watt USB C charger that has two outputs on it. Yeah, that's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other thing? Um, oh yeah, I I don't want to pick one of these up. Like I, I don't want to feel how much like because I just I would never be able to use an, just a standard M2 machine like because because that's the thing where. Uh, what's his name? Johnny Saruji, the ship guy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so. This is the base M2, which is on the whole fifteen to twenty percent faster than the M1, but they've expanded it to have twenty four gigs of RAM, which they call unified memory. Uh, but it you can't get beyond that. So this would never be a computer I could use. But it yeah it seems really nice. And then can you also put a link in the show notes to um, uh, the best tweet of the year? Uh, which which one was that? The he's really fucking mad that you're not so excited about these chips. What was it? <laughs> yeah, this will be this will be in the notes here. This is Dar's tweet. Apple's chip guy always seems a little pissed off that you are not impressed with how fucking fast these new chips are. It kind of does. <laughs> which which is which is like it's that's so spot on. Well, and also one, it's just it's a very niche uh, niche tweet like that. Not a lot of people are going to get it, but apparently, again. Small world. He's he's replying to Stephen Hackett. Like it's just, it wasn't. I don't know. It's just very funny because also, Sruji does do that. He kind he's kind of like twenty billion transistors. Why are you not impressed? Even though he's not talking to an actual audience, it's great. Uh, oh, so the oh, MacBook Air gets man. color matching MagSafe. I see how it is, Tim Apple. <laughs> All right. See, oh, this is really this is the good. only live tweeting people needed to pay attention to, which is it's Darth. It's true. All right. Um, um and then so yeah, so, so Ma- a dumb 13 inch macbook pro um mac os ventura mm-hmm. um the only the only thing i have of note here is continuity camera yeah i i i i, I just kind of cannot believe this exists like it, it's a it's a great feature and it, it's something that apple totally should do i just can't believe they actually did it yeah, can can I so the people talk about Sherlocking a lot. This is the only case where I'm happy a company got Sherlock. Can I say something mean? Do you know that there's that app Camo? Have you ever researched this when you kind of have wanted maybe a nicer camera on your before I before I ended up buying my Logitech webcam, I mm-hmm. I did look into Camo. Yeah. yeah. It's super fucking expensive. It's 40 it, it, bucks a year. That's why that's why I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, kind of not bad. Not bad. It's getting Sherlocked. Like that's that's a lot of money, guys. I mean, I I understand you, people like you, taking after Tim Apple. You want you want the recurrent the annual revenue. Yeah. Woof. Anyway, it's neat. Um, I like how they they were like in the presentation, like, oh yeah, we're not making any mounts for this. We're like we're farming it out to Belkin. They'll eventually make some stuff. It'll be fine. Um. I think this is cool. My only thing is like, I will probably be doing this because I, I've always like, I don't take enough video calls at my iMac where I've ever thought about like, Oh, let me buy like a low end Sony camera. Cause like, you know, you can do the whole like DSLR as webcam thing, but, um, for continuity camera, I would feel like I'd have to buy like a used iPhone 12. Like I, I use my phone when I'm in front of my computer a lot. That's that's the that's the part of this that yeah, I think where it comes up a little short is you can't use your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Which So yeah. therefore like I'd have to go I'd like I'd have to either like next time like when the iPhone fourteen comes out, I would then not trade this in and then my thirteen becomes my webcam. Like so that's that's the thing. So I so I know I know you're not a um hardware engineer, Carlos, but <laughs> harsh. Like <laughs> I, so I understand this feature on the laptops, 
And and maybe that's what Apple really kind of intends it to be used for. Like I get the physics of not being able to fit an iPhone quality camera in a wait, you it, know, laptop where the screen this, is is too thin. Is this just an elaborate webcam to shame me for, for or an elaborate webcam, an elaborate way of explaining why the studio display sucks? But like we know that there's no there's no depth limitation but that's I, causing them to make shitty webcams it, on desktops. That's what I. That's it to me. Like this feature just highlights the bizarre decision to just not yeah, stick an it. iPhone camera in the studio display. Yeah, we I get it. They, they didn't even. But the problem is even worse than that is they didn't even take just like a like a mediocre iPad camera. They got the crappiest camera. They made the ultra. <laughs> yeah, we get it, right? And I'm still <laughs> checking the stock every day to try to find a fucking studio <laughs> display in my area because my only other option is buying that godforsaken lg ultra fine display for thirteen hundred dollars so i'm not gonna have a dell monitor Man. is the worst uh well i can you continue using your um mac studio on your own no because i'm terrified sounds, of the burn-in <laughs> <laughs> i have the screen a screensaver set to turn on after five minutes i'm so scared it's gonna get burn-in because <laughs> oh because oleds are very bad for that that's true um yeah um, it's no good and then there, okay, so, the, well, so, the so, continuity key. Well, yeah, so, so Ventura, so yeah, it has that. Did it, doesn't it, well, so this will, you can explain the iPad stuff, but didn't, doesn't Ventura also kind of have the weird, like, left side of the screen multitasking thing? Yeah, so it, ha- it has stage manager, which, yeah, let's, let's talk about that in the context of the, of the iPad. Yeah. Um, and it, a bunch of other kind of updates. They did this gaming thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's Max, because nobody breeze over that stuff. Yeah. Also, the name Meh Ventura again. Mac OS ten Irvine or OS ten Santa Barbara. Come on, yeah. Um, so then you know, up to this point, in the presentation, you know, an hour, almost and a half in, no mention of iPad OS, which was setting up to be kind of just a crazy moment where the iPad doesn't even get mentioned in a WWDC keynote, or was leading up to some big changes, and and it did end up being the the latter. Um, Weird flow to this presentation, though, because they they started with collaboration, and then they talked about this another sneak peek item, Freeform, which is kind of this whiteboarding thing. They then talked about desktop class apps, which I thought like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. Here here's where there's going to be like Mac style multitasking. That's not what that ended up being. It was a bunch of sort of like you know, task bar-y kind of under the hood type features that they're making available to, to iPad apps now. And so I was thinking like, wait, like this, this is not what people have been asking for well, with iPad OS. Like, so where's, before, where's... before you move off of that, the one other bit about, and this will actually go hand in hand with the multitasking stuff about the desktop class application stuff is that now I don't know if like the terminology is still like memory swapping. Like the thing is like on on any like Mac or even Windows computers, if you if your applica- if an application you're running needs more memory than is available in terms of RAM, you can use hard disk or solid state disk space to write and page out stuff in RAM to your your hard drive. And that is something that is now available to apps that are uh RAM hungry on iPad, which is very neat. And that then enables uh, the feature you're about to talk about. Which is stage manager, um, which is basically the multitasking and external display support 
that like everybody's been asking for for years. So this is, you know, resizing windows. It's having, you know, many apps open at the same time. It's being able to split apps between different screens. It's, it's, it's basically what people have been asking for, for forever on the iPad. Um, it's limited to M1 iPads, um, which is, it's super, it is lame. Like, again, like I, as somebody who uses their iPad both relatively infrequently and in a pretty kind of low touch way, like I'm kind of just using it to read the news and stuff. Like, I don't think something like Stage Manager is something I would use anyway. But, you know, as somebody who owns a not that old iPad Pro, it is it is kind of lame that this doesn't work on that. Um, but yeah, early reviews of it have been a little mixed. I'm sure a lot of that will get kind of ironed out in the betas over the summer. Um, it's very unclear why you would use this on macOS. That's been the other kind of comment I've seen. Um, yeah, no. but and anyway, um, you know, also kind of interesting. It it it's evidently like a like a it's it basically a different mode. So that this like German's been reporting on like a pro mode for the iPad. That's what this is. Like it it's something that is off by default, and is something that you turn on in Control Center. It's like this whole different mode you go into. Um. The, which maybe maybe in part is because of the fact that it is kind of limited to a certain subset of iPads, but and also um, um, Federico was uh, talking about that it is very um, it's very rough around the edges, and apparently if an app doesn't natively support it, it works very very badly. So I, I, I guess maybe until like because that's kind of the thing where you either have like you have like the day one developers and you have stuff that could just kind of trickles in over like six months after the os is released so maybe not having a feature that's going to have a very very lopsided experience turned on by default would maybe be that way but i'd be curious to know if the if pro mode like having it in easy mode or non-pro mode if that also means like split view and kind of the old multitasking is also off I, th- I think I think that's what that means. Like when you're in stage manager mode, I think the other form of more multitasking is off. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, if you have like that turned off and it's on just like easy mode, does that mean it's just single window at a time? Because I, because I people, no, 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 no. All, all the all the existing multitasking features are still there. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, overall, um, does this I does mean, this look does this look appealing to you? Pretend like your iPad did support it. Like, do you think this would allow you to get any more done? Or kind of the no. the complaints that you've had about multitasking in the past? Do you think this really addresses anything? I, I don't ever use multitasking on my iPad, so no. Okay. I, I don't I don't use my iPad in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in most days, probably. I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, this is like a snarky, probably naive take, but like I also. I mean, you know, multitasking and multi-windows and resizing of windows with multiple displays, like, that's something that computers have been able to do for years and years and years. So it's it's a little unclear to me why on iPad it takes the power of an M1 to be able to do that. But 
Well, no, it's 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 not that. I mean, I put a link in the show notes. It was um, what was the reason? I put it in a thread. Hold on. Um. So Apple's reasoning, according to Digital Trends, was. Da, 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 da. According to Apple, Stage Manager is exclusive to M1 chips because iPadOS 16's fast memory swap feature, something Stage Manager relies on quite heavily, um, is only available to the M1 processor. So it's, it, there is actually a technical limitation of why it has to be that way. But again, like, I mean, computers have been able to do far more powerful versions of multitasking and window resizing for a long time time but they also don't have 12 hour battery life like in this one case i will come to apple's defense like the the way like and this is the reason why like even though i always like remember like the like it does i i I wish there was a a mac that worked like an ipad or i wish there was a microsoft surface macbook pro like we've talked about this extensively but the reason it does like the things i like about os 10 and the reason like i can i have i just like leave 25 applications open at once and they're all immediately available and i can have my windows however i want them is because my computers have like 64 gigs of ram and a bunch of other stuff like that's just not feasible on an ipad so i i i don't i don't like ipads and i don't like how they're going to handle multitasking like this doesn't change move the needle for me but i get it like i I, i'm not going to fault them for this and it's just an excuse to get a new ipad they come in colors now I'd, I'd rather I'd rather get a MacBook Air. Well, why not? Why not both? Talk you. All right. Any other WWDC stuff? That's it for me. All right, that is it. Chef specials. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let me um let me send you mine this week. I'm actually excited about this one. Uh, this is the. I think it's still relatively new. Um. Logitech MX Master 3S. Uh, I've been a longtime user of the MX Master 2S. Um, and so as you could probably guess, this is the successor to that. And it is absolutely fantastic. What's the S stand for? Like, is there a non-S version? I I think so, question mark. Um, yeah, it's it's super, super comfortable. The buttons just have a really satisfying feel to them and they're really quiet um the the software is actually excellent um the the one complaint i have is that um there is so that the the app is called logitech options okay which they came out with a new version of which you'll never believe what it's called carlos take a guess Logitech choices, not bad. Oh, was I close? No, but <laughs> but not bad. Logitech Options Plus. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it costs seven dollars a month, and Chip and JoJo on it. No, it's it. it's it's free. Um, but you, when you follow the link that's in the um instruction manual for the mouse, it takes you to a page to download Logitech Options. And if you download that and try to use it with this mouse, it says, no, dummy. Logitech Options doesn't work with this mouse. You've got to download Logitech Options Plus. No, it doesn't. It does. Do you have a sc- it literally says, no, dummy. 
Well, it doesn't literally say that. But it, oh, it, I thought like it, I was like if the if it, the screen actually said that, I, I would uh, it would be no, returned no, no, on no. principle right then. <laughs> you no, you said it very it, deadpan, where it makes it sound like okay. No, 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 no. Um, so that that was kind of annoying. But but once I got the right software installed, it, it's actually really nice, and it it comes with a bunch of different presets for various um, apps. So mm-hmm. like for Zoom, for example, it comes with a really smartly laid out preset of all the buttons with you know muting your microphone and adjusting volume etc yeah it's 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 great how does the app have some way of like because when does it have a way of reminding you what your layout is when you're in a different app like because i would probably frequently forget what the customizations are it it has it yeah the the ui is really nice and it it does have a, a menu to look at what all the different presets are so I'm on the Logitech website and um, under frequently asked questions, uh, why is it called Logi Options? And also, you've been, you've been pronouncing it wrong. It's Logi, not uh, not Logitech. Mm. They're, they're trying to go away from Logitech. Why is it called Logi Options Plus? Question mark. Do I have to pay for it? The quote plus stands for better design and user experience with more features available over time. The app is free to use. Yeah, oh but it, it 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 is it it's kind of it's weird because like when you scroll down further on this page, well, actually no this this isn't the, the there's another chart they have somewhere where it it shows you like which of their products which works with like which version of the software. Mm-hmm. It's it's very very confusing. Compatibility. Anyway. you need to be on options version eight point five four and up to have both Logitech Options and Logi Options Plus. And so, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Anyway, it's it's a it's a, it's mouse. a good mouse. Um, um Lo- Logitech's little uh I guess the only other thing to mention is that Logitech's little dongle thing. It's tiny. Which which were it's tiny and it it's incredibly reliable, mm-hmm. works great. It's still USB A. Yeah. Even even with this newest mouse, which it's a safe uh, bet. Yeah. But I, anyway, it's yeah. great great mouse. I feel like other than recent Macs, like most most USB-C is not terribly common on Windows computers that much. True. Yeah. Um, all right. And then my pick is going to be uh, an endorsement of a pick you have made in the past. So this mm. is the... Let's go to Amazon or History. Um, this is the Sinshine Compressed Air 3.0 Multi-Use Electric Air Duster. Heck so yeah. This thing's great. Um, I mm-hmm, really didn't. Is. I really didn't want to buy a thing that um, had. Like, I don't like buying stuff that's going to sit unused for like six months mm-hmm. at a time. And this probably will, but I'm, I don't know. I've been using it a lot. Like, it's it's one, one my Synology was very, 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 very <laughs> dusty. Like, so oh, insane. Yeah. Like, I after the water incident where there was a, a minor roof leak. I, I put it out in a more like in in like the living room bookshelf and it the the I guess the dust in my apartment is far more than I ever thought it was and it got very dusty over to six months in that but yeah I cleaned it out and that I would have gone through like I I've never liked because they're just so environmentally unfriendly those um like compressed air refrigerant duster can thingies like I would have gone through like a six pack of those trying to clean this thing out and. Yeah, this duster thing is it's it's great. Yeah. It's kinda kinda big, but it's 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 very nice. 
and I'm happy it it's is. not battery powered. Like mm-hmm. I feel like even though like initially I was like, oh man, you got to plug it in. I feel like it would be a much crappier experience if you had to wait like the one time you wanted to use it and had to like let it charge for three hours to do its thing where just like the, the it, it's it's nice. That's been my experience with like Carvax and stuff too. Like I've mm-hmm. tried to get cordless ones and they just they just never they never work very well. Yeah. And it, it is a little bit of a pain to plug stuff in, but you're usually going to get a much better experience. Yep. 